0: Hello. Very good morning to you, Martin Kelly here on Talk Radio and uh, Talk Sport. Yeah, I know the it was great news that there's going to be some uh, spectators uh, for that snooker final, which I'm really uh, looking forward to at the Crucible in Sheffield. Uh, the story I had about the uh, Premiership, um, the Gallagher Premiership uh, Rugby Union, was that uh, play, it's interesting. There's a bit of a controversy over this uh, taking the knee, which um, you know most players, both uh, I know Rugby League has returned, and uh, obviously in uh, Premier League football and such like um, players are taking a knee uh, before the match, most players uh, but there was um, this um, very religious fundamentalist uh, Israel Falau who plays for uh, Catalan in the, in the Rugby League, in the Super League uh, he, refu- he says he, he will only take a knee before God, before his God that's his, uh, that's his stance on it so he didn't uh, take a knee there and um, I read that uh, the in Rugby Union, uh, players will be given the opportunity to take a knee before the start of matches but it's expected that some will not will elect not to do so as I say, I wasn't watching the Harlequin-Sales-Sharks match tonight, so I don't know whether that, that did happen uh, but apparently a working group led by Ugo Monya uh, the broadcaster former England wing, uh, has been formed with one representative from every premiership club uh, and before the start of each game this weekend uh, there will be a minute's silence for the chess and for those who have lost their lives during the uh, pandemic after which players will have the opportunity uh, to make an anti-racism statement by dropping to one knee uh, but it, it seems to be optional it's not as organised as it was at uh, Premier League football it's interesting um, You know, there are different views on it uh, in, uh, in rugby union but that's something well the, the Exeter Chiefs boss said uh, he's called for balance he said uh, rugby should stop trying to be a political tool and get back to being a sport according to the Exeter chief director of Rugby uh, Robert Baxter who called for balance I don't know what he means by that in the way that professional rugby clubs address the Black Lives Matter uh, movement so it's uh, clearly a matter of some controversy which we'll, we'll keep our eye on, uh, on that and if you have any uh, specialist knowledge on it I'd be grateful if you could, because uh, like I say I'm a league man rather than a year and we will uh, look ahead to some of the Super League action uh, this weekend a little bit later on but if you want to give us a call and you know anything about what's happening in uh, rugby union, um, we'd love to hear from you. Oh eight seven one seven double two double three double four. Oh eight seven one seven double two double three double four. Uh, now, do you like to say we're joined by uh, John Bonfilio from uh, Mexico to keep us up to date with what's happening uh, on the um, on the continent there in Latin America? Uh, John, a uh, very good evening to you. Good evening, Martin.
1: How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Yourself? Yep, all the better for hearing your balanced show. <laughs> Bless you.
0: Yeah, I don't know how, how can you be balanced about Black Lives Matter, really? It's you know, I don't know when you... It's uh, yeah, an odd I
1: statement. I mean, he, he, he could have picked, uh, you know, a lot of different things to, to say about it, uh, you know, yeah. whether he's pro or anti or ambivalent, but balance just seems like a weird re- response
0: it is isn't it really now um looking at your continent uh protesters in uh, bolivia um uh, well the, a number of things that they're particularly concerned about obviously the uh, rapid spread of uh, covid 19 uh, and also the fact that the presidential elections have been postponed again so people protesters are out on the streets
1: yeah the presidential election that never happens and then never happens. Again, uh, I think if we just go back a step, nine months ago, there was a, a political crisis because the then president Evo Morales was essentially—you know—was there a coup? Wasn't there a coup? He was forced out of power. He left the country, and then um possession of uh, of power of um, uh, the country was taken over by a right wing uh, group under the uh, the leadership of Janine Añez, somewhat spuriously because they. There wasn't enough of a quorum in Parliament to declare them the ruling party, but they went in and and took that anyway. And since then, there's been this kind of uneasy uh, interim presidency that keeps saying there are elections just around the corner and then elections just around the corner again and again for the third time. A couple of days ago they were postponed they were pushed back again from september to to october and a lot of people in bolivia aren't very happy at all so there are you know widespread demonstrations and roadblocks all over the place all of which is um you know impeding and causing a lot of difficulties with the other crisis in bolivia which is obviously the coronavirus covid crisis because it means that the movement of products goods and products across bolivia is almost impossible to to do at the moment and and on the one hand, the government saying, you know, people are dying because the protesters are not allowing free movement of, you know, oxygen, etc., yeah. across the country. And then at the same, the, the other, the flip side of the coin, the protesters are saying, "Hold oh, no, on, people were dying before this. This is just being pinned on us as a political move." So for sure, Bolivia is currently and has been for, you know, almost a year now, been stuck in in a political crisis, and more recently, obviously, an overwhelming coronavirus crisis too yeah
0: and uh, as part of that uh, this is a bizarre story but uh, quite macabre story Uh, as part of that um, pandemic crisis and they've come up with uh, with a pragmatic solution but um, a solution that's well it's in questionable taste really Uh, tell me all about it
1: i think you're referring to the mobile crematorium is that right
0: A mobile crematorium this is I mean this is almost harks back to times of the great plague and you know bring out your dead.
1: Yeah absolutely because you know what people what do people do with bodies when the health service you know and the funeral service just crashes and and stops functioning and actually in Bolivia a law was passed recently by the health ministry which said that you were allowed to I mean just going and burying your dead in a field was obviously illegal in Bolivia until fairly recently, but now you're allowed to do it, even though obviously that's anti-COVID uh, regulations in terms of propagation of, of the disease. So these designers mm-hmm. have set up, have designed and set up this mobile crematorium, which measures about apparently five meters by two and a half meters, and basically it's an oven. It's a massive oven that sits on the back of a of a trailer and uses LPG gas and takes about 30-40 minutes to to, to burn a body to, to its cinders. And it's actually provided, you know, a huge amount of relief because it can get through basically 20 bodies in a day. And although if you look at the official statistics, Bolivia, uh, about a hundred thousand infections, four thousand, uh, four thousand dead. It doesn't seem as, you know, as off the chart mm. as a lot of other countries. But if you look at the excess death situation, I mean, crematoriums are, are having are receiving eight times the number of bodies they usually would and then i was looking at the stats for this earlier on today in the main cemetery in um, in la paz is currently receiving four times the number of bodies so you know way over what we're being told the official statistics are is what's happening in terms of excess deaths in in the country and again going back to you know the, the first point when you've got all these bodies that you don't know what to do with what on earth do you do i mean it, you know it's not a question that we've Really considered before, before these, these unprecedented times.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, it's remarkable and, uh, quite chilling actually when you read about it. Uh, in your own country, in Mexico, uh, the Mexican state of, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, will press it, Ochacha or
1: Ocacha. Um, you need to pretend there's a W at the beginning of it and it's Oaxaca.
0: <laughs> Oaxaca, please spell it I don't That's speak it. Spanish, I'm afraid, uh, Oaxaca. Um, they have banned the sale of junk food and uh, sugary drinks. Uh, I know you have a, a real obesity problem in Mexico, don't you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the current rate of people being overweight is uh, three out of every four people. Uh, are overweight currently and and it's not just the the number it's the rate so if you go back a generation it was one in five and clearly there's lots of things happening with you know with diet and lack of exercise etc and one of the reasons why it's become an issue now is because obviously covid targets you know is is exponentially more severe on people with pre-existing health conditions and diabetes and obesity etc so it's become something of a of a big issue here and the state of oaxaca uh yeah about a week ago uh, passed this law which basically made it illegal to sell junk food or sugary drinks to um to underage uh, to, to kids basically. There's there's an there's an amusing um meme or joke going around at the moment saying that in the state of Oaxaca that gay marriage has been legalised, abortion is allowed and there's a ban on the sale of junk food and sugary drinks, and that basically Oaxaca is like Finland but with better food. <laughs> yeah, not bad
0: uh, now um, our good friend Romaldinho um, what's the latest thing I mean you sent me a story which uh, we've already established that uh, I don't really speak Spanish that well but the headline is Ronaldinho es señalado por fiestero y recibe mujeres en su hotel what does that mean?
1: I, I like sending you articles in Spanish, because <laughs> it means we get we get a Spanish sentence out of you on a weekly yeah. basis. Yeah. Basically, well, what, what our, friend, our friend our friend Ronnie's in trouble. So Ronnie um, is under house arrest in 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 Paraguay. Ronaldinho, obviously famous, you know, Brazilian footballer, one of the best players of all time, but who always had a penchant for late night parties and and women and and liquor, etc. And in in many ways, it was the all of that stuff that really maybe didn't you know let him fulfill the promise that he had as a as, as a youngster and then a few months ago he went into Paraguay on an illegal passport or fake papers got arrested etc uh, etc et and finally got moved um, under a bond at to, to uh, uh, Asunción's Paraguay's finest hotel in the center of the capital but this week um, a source has revealed that he's not just uh, lying low in his cell in, in inverted commas but he is receiving uh, women models uh, who apparently come very well presented at all times of day and night liquor is flowing uh, and apparently they're having quite uh Raucous, uh, five aside, except for they're not five side football games in the presidential suite, which measures 30 meters by 15 meters. So this has been picked up all through Paraguay. And I think if there is one, you know, persona non grata in Paraguay at the moment, it's our, it's our friend Ronaldinho, sadly. He's got to go in front of the judge again, 24th of August. And then basically at that point, if he assumes responsibility, pays a fine, and then crucially, which I'm not sure he's going to do, promises to return every three months to Paraguay for the next two years, he may be allowed to leave the country. But we wait and see. I suspect we're going to be talking about Rondinho again at some point, Martin.
0: Yeah. Why would he want to leave the country?
1: He's having a fantastic time. Well, yeah, and the remarkable thing is apparently he's not paying for any of it. These are gifts being showered on him and his brothers and his business manager by um, by businessmen who apparently pay for the models and they pay for the booze. Uh, i guess in an attempt to curry favor or or something i don't know but yeah it's it's a, he's having a, a joy old pa- surprising pandemic <laughs>
0: he is he is uh so um we're looking at some of the the sport in latin america uh from time to time and um rugby union we know is uh is is fairly big isn't it you i mean not just in Argentina, we we've seen you know a lot of the internationals uh, with Argentina. They're quite a decent side, but in uh, quite a lot of South America,
1: there there's quite an enthusiasm for rugby union. Yeah, there, there really is. I mean, there's probably professional leagues, I would say, in in maybe half the countries in in Latin America at the moment. I mean, to varying standards, and certainly the standard you know tails off um, pretty quickly, as you say. Argentina is you know the only tier one. Nation on on the uh, on the continent and certainly you know the poster boy for it all um, and it's not a new sport here I mean you know there are others that that have been playing it for for a long time but the first match that Argentina played against the British Isles eleven was in 1910 and, and the sport goes back uh, a, a, a long way uh, in into history and essentially it's pretty I, I wouldn't say that outside of say Argentina Uruguay Chile maybe brazil it's that well known as sport but certainly in what's uh, referred to as the southern cone in latin america rugby union is uh is well known it's well supported um it's well financed uh, and it's an, it's for sure an important probably second or third sport after after soccer and certainly in the context of argentina having done pretty well internationally over the course of the last 20 years there's been exponential growth in in that particular country um, yeah, little known but pretty successful as a sport here.
0: Yeah, and you do have your own South American uh, Rugby Championship. Presumably a there is l- a lot of Tuesday part.
1: There is, um, which Argentina won uh, every year except for 1981 up until I think it's 20, 2014 or 2016 when they basically stopped taking part. They decided it was around about the time that they started getting involved with. Uh, I mean, it was a few years after they got involved with, but the Rugby Championship. You know, now they play. In uh, against New Zealand and South Africa and Australia, and they're part of that competition, so that occupies their their time a little bit as well. Perhaps a little known anecdote in terms of rugby union in Latin America. Do you remember the film Alive, where this the rugby oh, team yeah. flying across That's right, across yeah. the Andes, yeah, you know, the a team from Uruguay, plane crashes and and they were stuck there for for 72 days high up in the Andes and made. You know, made international news when they finally got out because it was they were roundly condemned by the Pope for killing some of their not for killing sorry for cannibalizing some of their teammates who were already already dead but that's the only way they managed to survive
0: yeah absolutely remember that film uh, well look thanks ever so much for uh, for joining us uh, John and uh, it was all the same with you we'll talk again next week take care have a good week good man uh, John Bonfilio joining us there uh, from Mexico uh,